The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown, and this is episode number 32 of the series. Later in the episode, I'm going to be talking with the 13th president of Jacksonville State University, Dr. Don Killingsworth. You will get to know the president a little better, and we're going to discuss what this fall will look like, both in the classroom and on the field. That interview in just a bit, but first, a few housekeeping notes and some news. If you missed last week's episode, my guest was former Gamecock and Major League pitcher Donovan Hand. From his days at JSU, his trip through the Milwaukee Brewers minor league system to his debut in the big leagues, we cover his spectacular career on the diamond and look at how retirement is treating the right-hander. If you want to go give it a listen, all previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcasts on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Also, a quick reminder that masks are and will continue to be required for all faculty, staff, and students throughout the JSU campus. Masks should be always worn properly and will be required indoors as well as outdoors when social distancing cannot be maintained. Signage has been placed in all buildings and areas indicating the mask requirements. Students and families are required to wear masks when they're visiting campus for tours and or attending orientation this summer. Please do your part in helping stop the spread of COVID-19. Please wear a mask. In athletics news, the Ohio Valley Conference released last week that Olympic sports would have their schedules pushed back to September 18th. That announcement affects JSU soccer and volleyball, essentially shortening their schedule to include just conference games and cuts both men's and women's cross-country down to three regular season meets. Games, matches, and meets originally scheduled for prior to September 18th have been canceled. And in other news, JSU Hall of Famer and former All-American defensive back Eric Mims is going to be taking over as football's color commentator to the Gamecock Sports Radio Network with Mike Paris. Ray Hammond, who has served as a color analyst since 1992 on both Gamecock television and radio broadcast, is retiring to Gulf Shores to be closer with his grandchildren. Happy retirement, Ray, and welcome to the booth, Eric Mims. That's everything new happening around athletics, and now it's time for today's featured guest. Dr. Don Killingsworth was named the university's acting president in October and was officially named the 13th president of Jacksonville State June 23rd of this year. A two-time graduate of JSU, President Killingsworth received his bachelor's in geography in 1999 and his master's degree in counseling in 2001, both from Jacksonville State. He received his doctorate in higher administration from the University of Alabama in 2016. 
Here is the Alexander City native, President Don Killingsworth. Joining me on the podcast this week is the 13th president of Jacksonville State University, Dr. Don Killingsworth. Dr. Killingsworth, thanks so much for coming in today. It's my pleasure, Tyler. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while, and uh, we finally got uh, able to sit down and record this. So I apologize for my delay, but I'm glad to be a part of the Behind the Beak podcast today. Oh, not a problem at all. And I've I've been excited to uh, have you on, and it was kind of one of those things to where I kind of sat back and thought, let's wait until he's confirmed you know we make sure he's got the job and okay now now's the time to do it and it's it's very exciting we're all very excited for you you've been around jsu for a long time you're a two-time graduate um what does it mean to get this somewhat dream job to become president of jacksonville state university your alma mater uh that's a great question tyler Um, i started even when i was a student here i came to jacksonville state university in 1994 my older sister started here in 1990, so I was familiar with the institution, even more so before that. My dad was here in, in the late 60s. And uh, when I was here as a student, came in 94, uh, I had a, had a really good time, uh, and enjoyed my uh, tour as a student, uh, got involved in various student organizations, and, and took my time really uh, getting through school, but uh, I enjoyed uh, being part of the camp campus atmosphere, which is very important, and uh, got involved with Student Government Association and was uh, able to hold several offices in the Student Government Association, which led me to interact with the leadership and administration of the university, and from that point, I was able to say, hey, this I could make a career out of this. So it was 1999 that I was the elected the Student Government President, and uh, Dr. McGee was the university president at that time. He is, was retiring, and the Board of Trustees has selected a new president, Dr. William Meehan, uh, to take over July 1st, 1999. Uh, I was elected in April, and uh, I was able to work with Dr. Meehan as he transitioned to the president uh, as the sitting Student Government Association president. I was able to participate in his investiture and inauguration and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that transition process that I was able to see from 1999 to 2000. I actually graduated December of 1999 with my undergraduate degree, went straight into the graduate program for my master's in counseling, and uh, was able to finish that uh, degree in 2001. I left uh, the institution in 2001 in, in May and took a job with American College Testing, ACT, and enjoyed my time with ACT, spent a year and a half traveling uh, the East Coast, working with high schools and colleges, training them on, uh, it was more of career development programs that ACT had instead of the test. I didn't have anything to do with the test, so don't blame me. Um, <laughs> people, they would say, oh, you work for ACT. What, what about this question on this section? I said, I had nothing to do with tests. I didn't write the questions. That was somebody else. But in, enjoyed my time with ACT. I was able to see a lot of this country and work with some great schools and colleges and uh, helping them get their career development uh, division up and going. Came back. And to, now, that was during uh, 9-11. I was actually in, in New York City the night before and finally got home to Atlanta mm. around 11 and 11-ish and then woke up the next morning uh, to that. So that's another story another time. Wow. But uh, in 2002, uh, there was a position that came open at, at, at Jacksonville, and I applied and was uh, able to receive the position and started in November 2002 in academic advisement. 
coordinating academic advisement for the institution, working with uh, those students who, who need a little extra help that might have been uh, on suspension or dismissal or, or academic warning and trying to get them back onto the path that they need to be on. One, because I remember those times myself. I, I'm not saying I was, but I could understand and relate. And and I, I felt it an obligation to make sure that we gave them every resource that they needed to see that they wanted to change their goal, uh, to achieve their goal and change their life, uh, which is part of my uh, vision ca carrying on now, even to this day. So I, I've been here since 2002 in various roles. Once I went from coordinator of academic advisement to director and then uh, changed over in around 2006, 2007, uh, my predecessor in this role, his name was Jack Hopper, uh, came up to me with Dr. Meehan and asked if I would be interested in uh, working in the government relations side of uh, for the institution, and I, I was, of course, uh, I enjoyed politics. Uh, I was not a political science major, but uh, working through the Student Government Association uh, when I was president and working with the state elected uh, officials and uh, the other Student Government Association presidents from around the state, I think I, I, I like the idea, and, and I was able to start a government relations office here at the campus. Uh, Jack uh, Hopper was at various roles, from athletics at one point to advancement, uh, and he had the government relations side. So I, uh, Dr. Meehan allowed me to set up that Office of Government Relations, and from then uh, it went into various title changes throughout the years. And uh, before I was named the acting president, I was actually uh, the chief external affairs officer for the institution, which covered government relations and continuing education, uh, we had special projects and strategic partnerships, which involved Little River Canyon and the, the Mountain Center and Longleaf Studios. Uh, so we had a variety of things that uh, constituted external affairs at that point. But And then uh, the rest is, as we know, at the acting president and then here recently named to the 13th president. You've worn a lot of hats in your time, and one of them that you've worn was you were the sideline reporter for the Gamecock Radio Network for a few seasons. You've traveled with football a lot. You've you've uh, been in charge of the table crew at basketball games for a long time. And so you've been involved in athletics for most of your career here at Jacksonville State. You might be the first university president that's gone from sideline reporter to Mike Paris's boss in, a, in an instant like that. But tell me about your time with athletics and your job on the radio and your job with the table crew and uh, what those positions mean to you? Uh, it's it's really kind of a strange and funny story. Uh, I was traveling with the football team and and, and the uh, then before he was AD Greg Seitz and I was uh, allowed just to tag along just to uh, get the experience and and we were at Eastern Illinois. I, were, I will not forget. Uh, Paris uh, asked me, said, "Hey, will you go down and and just hold the microphone on the sideline <laughs> and I may just ask you a few questions?" I said. Well, sure. I, I don't have any experience, but yeah, I can I can kind of give you a, a point of view if you want me to. And and uh, so I walked down. It was Eastern Illinois. I walked down there and stood on the sideline. And I remember he pitched it down to me in typical Paris form. Uh, form. He said, "All right, Don, I'm gonna come to you at the break, and I want you to tell me how the crowd is and 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 the weather and anything else you want to throw in." So he comes down. And he says, "Well, Don Killingsworth is joining us on the sideline and." And I'm going to pitch it down to him. And, and, Don, how's it going down there? I said, great, Mike, back to you. <laughs> and uh, 
So it, it was pretty quick. I said, well, I really didn't know what else to say. He said, well, thanks, Don. In a, a typical Paris fashion going forward, he rarely sent it down to me after that. Uh, but no, it, it was fun. And mostly it turned into me doing the coin tosses because a lot of our stadiums uh, don't have the uh, the feeds straight from the ref's mics. They do now. They're getting better. So it's it's uh, it's changed a little bit. But most of the time was just trying to get the coin toss in post-game. Uh, with the coaches, uh, but I appreciate that opportunity with Mike, and 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 I, and I joke, I exaggerate a little bit, but Paris was was good to work with, as was Ray Hammett, and I'm I'm sad to see Ray go, but I'm excited for Eric Mims and what he's going to bring to the team for our radio broadcast uh, for football, and I think that's just a, a dynamic crew. But Eric's got big shoes to fill going forward. As far as the table crews, um, you know, I was uh, I. Mark Jones, if if those who have listened to this broadcast, might, uh, his name might ring a bell. He got me into officiating by, uh, basketball uh, uh, mid-2000s, maybe, somewhere around there. Uh, it's been almost 20 years. Uh, and uh, he got me into officiating basketball, and, and I've grown in that uh, role and have enjoyed some uh, great basketball games throughout my uh, tenure officiating high school basketball unfortunately i think that time is up uh but uh i i do miss uh miss getting out there and officiating high school basketball one it keeps you a part of the game i love basketball uh one it, it tells you know how in shape or out of shape you are uh some of these teams can run very fast and and i could not keep up but that just helps you get out there and get a little exercise too uh, but overall it just keeps you a part of the game so as i've developed over my uh officiating career uh we started a new association here in actually the city of jacksonville called mount chiha basketball officials association it was started by mark jones and alan gilbert and then, you know some of these names you may r r ring a bell to our audience but over time mark and them have retired and moved on and i became the president of that association and part of the duties was to to make sure the jsu table crew uh is assigned uh, which is easy to do because it's the same people for I don't know how many years, 30 years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mark did retire and, and move on, so we had to get a new clock operator, and, and, and those people have done a fantastic job. But it's allowed me to uh, make sure that the table crew is assigned by people we know that, can, uh, that they can do the job, and we want to make sure we have the best people on the table for JSU athletic events. Outside of uh, JSU athletics, you're a sports fan. With COVID-19 going on, we've had a lot of midweek NASCAR races. <laughs> Have you enjoyed the midweeks? Have you enjoyed that schedule here lately? Well, <laughs> to be honest, it's hard to keep up with the schedule. And I'm glad <laughs> uh, that uh, we we actually compete in an, uh, a fantasy league for NASCAR. And, and well, you have to be really on top of it here mm -hmm. over the last month and a half because you will miss a race, and then I'll be further behind you, Mr. <laughs> Brown. Uh, right now we're neck and neck. Uh, you, you've got me by a few points. Uh, but, no, it's uh, it's hard to keep up with schedule, but I pre appreciate NASCAR trying to get out there and uh, finish the, and have a full schedule mm -hmm. uh, because that's important, and all sports are important, and, and I think we're going to try to get back into some sort of fashion as w as we head into the fall. You were named the acting president October 22nd, 2019, and you were voted in by the board as the full-time president June 23rd of this year. And it's been a very tough time to really be named president, I would imagine. Uh, what has your day-to-day -day been like, and what has it been like to be kind of just, um, you know, in, in sports terms, you know, thrown to the fire? It's You're like a closer coming in in the bottom of the ninth against a 
Yankees lineup, you know, in the World Series. So tell me, tell me what it's been like to be uh, put into the, this position at this time and everything that's going on. Well, if you put it in those terms, COVID is the the cleanup hitter for the Yankees, uh, and I mean that it it is brutal, uh, and no one ever envisioned what we would be in the middle of right now. Uh, when I took over in October as acting, uh, things were good. We were transitioning. The institution was in a good good state. We had enrollment, uh, a record freshman class in in the fall, and we were making uh, gains. And for the fall of you know 2020 we were looking at increases there as well the spring was looking good along comes uh you know covid and it was i remember it we were on our way back from the ovc basketball tournament when we got uh notification that we potentially could have had uh some students exposed uh so i rushed back from the ovc basketball tournament um and we we implemented our task force at that point and have been battling COVID-19 since. Uh, so we've been in this thing for al- four months now, almost. And uh, I'm thankful for that COVID task force uh, led by Dr. Jeff Ryan, who I think you've had on before. Dr. Jeff Ryan and Do- uh, Dr. Oye Akinsanya and Dr. Phyllis Waits are doing a tremendous job getting us ready and prepared for reopening in the fall semester while maintaining and, and implementing our COVID-19 task force protocols and procedures for current cases and potential cases. So they're, they're doing a tremendous job and, and how nice it is to have someone with Dr. Jeff Ryan's uh, credentials here on campus. He's a full professor in emergency management. He edited the textbook, uh, the leading textbook on pandemic planning for influenza back in the day. So he knows what he's talking about. And we, we refer to him quite often and uh, seek his guidance as we navigate what this situation that we're in. Uh, we're not alone. All institutions, all schools, K-12, higher ed, are going through the same issues that we're facing. Now, we're unique in a sense that we are still recovering from a tornado in March of 2018. So I think it's unique to us in that sense because we are not out of the woods uh, on recovery as we still have construction projects ongoing. And the pandemic probably could not hit, have hit at more worse time for us. Uh, you know, just when you're talking about tornado recovery and, and construction projects, you have to pay for most of that stuff on the front end. So we're, we're expending resources to fund these construction projects and then a global pandemic hits where you send everybody home and all your auxiliaries are cut off, which is dining and residence hall, and you start issuing credits and refunds for those. It just puts the institution in a bind that we weren't anticipating. Now, the good news is that we have uh, navigated those uh, uh, uncharted waters, as they say. I know it's cliche at this point. We hear that quite often, but it is. Uh, we're able to come through the, those times and emerge here where we're sitting uh, now, prepared for the fall semester, in a good state. Now we've had to cut resources, we've had to cut budgets and so forth uh, across the board. Uh, but uh, we have we have made great strides to, and it's all for that end goal is to make sure we open August 18th for classes, in-person classes. And that's what our goal is. And, and a part of that is leading up to this weekend, we're holding a commencement August 31st and 
uh, or July 31st and August 1st, and, and that is a holdover. The spring commencement, which we postponed, is August 1st, and we brought back summer commencement for the first time in several years, and that will be July 31st. So we're excited to hold those commencement ceremonies uh, this weekend, and uh, and and that's, that's important for us because that just kicks the door uh, open for us to come back and follow instruction for fall classes. So we're excited about that. Like you mentioned, we're not the only institution that's going through something like this but with your administration we've had obviously budget cuts which everyone's having to do but under you there's been no furloughs there's been no layoffs um, and one of the biggest things that being in the communications profession uh, is seeing that your administration has been very transparent through everything if there is a case on campus there's a campus-wide email that goes out that alerts everyone. You're doing contact tracing, uh, doing a good job of keeping up with who's coming to contact with who that may have this virus. Tell me what that means to you to be that transparent and to be able to keep everyone informed um, about what's going on. I feel like that makes a difference. Sure, sure it does. And, and Tyler, to be honest, that's an easy, easy answer. There's we're not hiding any nuclear secrets. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're an educational institution. Uh, so anything, any information that we can get out uh, to our population and uh, our community is, is important. Again, there's nothing to hide. Uh, even with my case here uh, recently, I, I thought it was important for us to notify the community and uh, notify those who were potentially exposed and uh, notify them when we got an all clear. Uh, it's it's important that people know what's going on because we're we're facing something that we haven't faced before, and uh, we don't know all the answers, but the answers that we have at that given moment when we make a decision, we're going to tell you why we did it, and this is the reason for it. So, it's easy to be transparent. Uh, again, there's there are no secrets. Uh, there's no reason to have secrets. Specifically talking about your case you, that you brought up just a few seconds ago, you tested positive last week going into the weekend. You had had a mild headache that made you go in and get checked out. And then just yesterday, Monday, you tested negative. So doctors thought you were kind of near the end of it. And right. luckily you did get a negative test. But tell me about uh, finding out that you were positive. Because I know there's, there's uh, you know, obviously it's scary. And so tell me about whenever you found out that you were positive and tell me about what made you go in and get checked out. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, so, yes, so the provost and I, in preparation for graduation, went to the Student Health Center to be tested. We wanted to make sure that we could uh, be tested in a time that if something did pop up, un, unbeknownst to us, uh, that, uh, that we could, you know, quarantine and self-isolate plenty of time to to uh, for commencement so we went in for our test and our student health center folks do a great job uh the the nurse practitioner came out and said well i've got good news and bad news and uh she said well you know one of you are positive one of you is negative and i looked at the provost and said oh my goodness what have you done <laughs> <laughs> and she said no it is actually you that is uh positive and i said oh are you sure and and even so much, when I told my wife, she said, no, you're messing with me. I said, I wish I was. Mm -hmm. I had a, a very mild headache and, and on the symptoms uh, for COVID that I, extremely mild and 
you know, I, I just didn't have any of the symptoms. Yeah. So I was shocked. I really was. I was surprised that this, this can't be. And uh, so I went back with our contact tracers and, and working with our COVID task force team. They narrowed down my exposure around July 9th. And if I had not gone and got tested on Thursday and I came and, and went did go for a retest on Monday morning uh, after that Thursday in the weekend and it was negative, if I just waited to test on Monday, I would have never known I had it. And that may be common for a lot of people. I don't know. I think uh, time will tell uh, down the road, really, once we get a, a firm handle on COVID-19, uh, how uh, some of the decisions and some of the quarantine times and isolation periods and testing here, testing not, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of our questions answered. But, uh, again, if I would have waited a few days, I would have never have known I had it. Moving forward to the fall, what do you expect the fall semester to look like this year? It's going to be a little different. It's a new normal, as I do air quotes. Uh, but uh, you, you hear that terminology used a lot. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a, a little different. You know, our, our, our focus is to offer in, in-class instruction, and, and, and we're using the terminology web-enhanced as we open the, the school back up. Every class that we have will have a Canvas, which is our platform for online delivery. It'll have a shell built where uh, faculty members can at least put the syllabus and some tests uh, in there if they need to. And all, uh, all finals will be online anyway, so we know we have to use that capability at the end of the semester. But we have made, gone through and, and looked at various class because, classes because your nursing students cannot be educated the same way as your literature students or English students. Uh, the same goes for your chemists and their labs compared to your social work students. So each variation of discipline and inside that discipline in each class has unique situations that we had to go through. We put together an academic affairs reopening committee, and they have worked diligently. That group has been led by our vice provost, Dr. Joe Walsh, and his team. And they have, it, it's remarkable how much work they have done. Because as I just described, every situation is different. So we've done the best we can, and uh, we have limited uh, enrollment in classrooms. We spread out desks to uh, adhere to social distancing pol uh, distancing policies and guidelines. We're disinfecting left and right. We've bought extra equipment to do so. We're putting sanitation equipment inside uh, each classroom equipment, meaning either a disinfectant wipe or disinfectant spray so students can wipe down their desk in between classes, faculty can do so. We're, we're going to as much as we can to make sure everyone feels safe to return to those classrooms. Uh, is it perfect? No, nothing's perfect. And we're still battling an invisible enemy, so we don't know. Uh, but we're, we're doing everything that we can. And part of that, uh, on the cleaning side, we're requiring masks that everyone wear a mask. I think that's important. And so any building that you come into on campus uh, today, you have to wear a mask. And it will be that all students must wear a mask while they're in the classroom for this fall. Speaking of the fall, uh, you have a meeting tomorrow, president's meeting with the OVC, and not to alarm anyone, that's fairly normal. And uh, we had talked about this a little bit before we got started, was that it seems to me, and I've, I've worked in a couple of leagues prior to the OVC, 
that the OVC really relies on its presidents a lot. It it takes into account the president's opinions when it comes to rule changes um, and just like this fall, uh, what competition's going to look like. And so you guys have a meeting tomorrow. Um, and I'm not saying to sit here and speculate about what the meeting's about and what the fall is going to look like, but tell me about the OVC, uh, what it's like to be in those meetings with the league's presidents and kind of what we're looking forward to to this fall. I know, obviously, the Olympic sports have been pushed back already for about a month, but what are your conversations like and what is it like to sit down with the league and have a an athletics conference take into account the opinion of the president of the university well i, th I think it's an in interesting setup i actually attended the ncaa convention in january and uh out in anaheim and it was a new president's uh meeting although i was an official at that time i went just to learn because uh the one thing they told you the ncaa uh, is is very adamant about the athletic department and all student athletes falls under the president the president has uh, the sole discretion and the authority over NCAA athletics for your individual campus. So taking that into consideration and, and looking at the OVC setup, the OVC, the Board of Presidents, pretty much decides everything for the conference. Uh, that takes recommendations from the athletic directors, which meet quite often, and then they send recommendations up to the Board of Presidents. And a lot of that is, is stuff that is automatically adopted just because the presidents are not in the day-to-day -day running of the athletic department. The athletic directors are. Uh, so we, we take the, what the directors of athletics tell us and recommend and we implement. But uh, this shows how the LVC is. It, it may be different than other conferences. I, you know, it, it sounds like it is. I've only had experience in the OVC. Uh, I, was a, I was a student back in the old days when we were in the part of the TAC and the ASUN, so I can't really comment on those. But as far as the OVC, I, I, I think it does work well. Um, knowing that the NCAA says the president is over the athletics uh, and, and is responsible for athletics for the institution, we get to make the final decision uh, with recommendations from our, our athletic directors. So... A normal conversation with us, we do meet quite regularly, and yes, we do have a call set up uh, tomorrow. But uh, uh, you know, the last few calls have been have been grim, to be honest, because you know we're we're in a conference with schools from Illinois and Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee, and you know, it's every every state's different. What ha is happening for us in Alabama is not so much uh, the case for Kentucky or Missouri especially at first, you know, we were having conversations uh, about uptick in cases and we weren't seeing those here in Alabama. Now we are seeing them now and they have pretty much kind of leveled off and come down just a little bit. So we're a little bit behind and also with funding, you know, thankfully the state of Alabama legislature gave us an increase in our budget this year. Everyone else was cut. Uh, their, their university budgets were cut, uh, which they, inadvertently affects well not inadvertently affect directly affects athletics right. so uh you know i got to have those conversations with the president our, our conversations here lately have been about the return of sports for the fall and and we take everything into consideration and we take the decisions that we make very seriously because they are serious you're talking about people's lives and and uh their their ability to compete in the sport but this is for their future as well so it it does weigh heavily on you when you try to make the best decision and you take all the uh, uh, facts and 
and arguments from both sides and, and try to make the best decision. So the, all the presidents will get together like we will tomorrow and, and discuss what we have already decided. As you mentioned, we have pushed back to, and delayed the, the start of our Olympic fall sports with volleyball, cross country, women, you know, soccer until uh, September 17th which allows those students to return to campus around the first day of class, which we can keep them off campus just a little while longer. Uh, and then football aside, we have not made any decisions about football, so we're planning for football, the football season as normal at this point. Uh, I do anticipate that would be a conversation tomorrow and uh, uh, going forward. Now, I do not know what uh, we will decide tomorrow. Um, we are waiting for uh, a lot of guidelines from the NCAA, which filters down to the conference level, then filters down to the institution and the board, uh, the board of presidents. So overall, the, the conversations, uh, I remember our conversations from before the OVC basketball tournament to now and the, the change in tone from my colleagues has, has, has really been something to see. And uh, again, everybody has different scenarios they're going through on their campus we have institutions like belmont who do not they do not play football and it's it's a private institution compared to a regional state institution like ours what they're battling is something different than what we're battling uh, but overall our, our main concern is still for the the safety of our students and our student athletes in particular when we talk when we get together so it's uh we have uh some connections in that and and our same concerns but when we get it down into well, your institutions doing this for the fall, it, there there are many different scenarios and and uh, guidelines that they take into place as they try to make the best decision about opening or not opening for the fall, which is different from what we're trying to do, uh, or the decisions that we're having to make. So it's it's an interesting setup. Um, I appreciate the the board of presidents. They're they're all fantastic folks and. Uh, and I've enjoyed working with them as an acting and, and now as, as a as a full-time permanent president. So I uh, they, they've been great to me. They've helped me along the way, and our commissioner has done a great job of educating me on, on why we're doing this and why we're not doing this. So it's, it's a little bit of a learning curve, but thankfully I'd been around the athletic department and been able to travel to, you know, various uh, tournaments and and away games and got to talk to leadership from various institutions along my way before I was even acting president and had a working relationship with our commissioner. So I, I was able to know these people beforehand, which is a unique opportunity that most would not have. So I have appreciated that. President Killingsworth, I know you're a busy man. We need to get you back over to Bib Graves. I appreciate you coming in and jumping on the podcast with me this week. Just before you go, for any students, student-athletes, faculty staff that might be listening what are some things that they need to be expecting for this fall what do they need to be ready for as far as masks and things like that and then lastly if someone does feel like they are getting sick what do they need to do as far as getting tested uh, great questions and one thank you for allowing me to be a part of this uh, behind the beak and I'll, I'm going to come back and we can pick up part two and so forth down the road hopefully with a happier uh, yes. with happier news at some point too, uh, instead absolutely of, instead of trying to figure out what we're going to do with the global pandemic <laughs> yes yeah so let's let's get this <laughs> behind us and let's talk about winning championships again mm -hmm. like we're we are accustomed to doing 
Uh, so, so the fall, every student will be tested before they return to campus. And uh, we are partnered with UAB uh, here in the state of Alabama. Uh, UAB uh, has been tasked by the governor's office to test every college student, not just four-year uh, public, four-year private, two-year colleges, and I think they're even trying to work with the K-12 system. Right now they're testing almost 298,000 students, and uh, it's probably a logistics nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but we, we're going to require that you be tested before you come back. We're also partnering with UAB for a health check app, and we're going to uh, roll that out here pretty soon, where you do a daily check, and it's just an app on your phone. How do you feel today? If you don't feel fine, do you have a fever? And, and the symptoms checks as you go through. If a student or faculty staff member uh, is not feeling well, if you have a fever, cough, any of the symptoms that are out there and prevalent, you can turn on any uh, website and they pretty much have a COVID uh, page. Call the Student Health Center, call your doctor, get their uh, uh, guidance on what you should do at that point. If, if they want you to come in for a test, they will let you know. Our Student Health Center is here. So a part of their tuition fees, they have access to the Student Health Center, which is ran by RMC for us, and we have a great staff over there, and, and they're willing to walk the student through if they need testing. We, we have uh, acquired a Sophia 2 test. Uh, it's a name of brand of a testing, which is a rapid test. It gives you results in 15 minutes. It is a nasal pharyngeal swab, which they basically go back to your brain. It made me cry, but it was okay. I was, I was hoping you would say it was one of the less invasive ones. <laughs> the, the, the less invasive, which is this uh, swab in the inside of your nose, is what we're requiring students to do before they return to campus. Now, if you go to the Student Health Center and you want the 15-minute test, it is a little more invasive, but it's not bad. Even I did it. Uh, it was awkward at that moment, but I was able to get the, the results in 15 minutes compared to several days. So, wouldn't you want to know in 15 minutes compared to several days if you're positive or negative? And, and everybody can go through. And, 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 yes, it's a little invasive, as I said, but it's okay if you get the results in that quick a time. Uh, so working with our Student Health Center folks, uh, if you feel like you want to go get tested, that's why it's there. Uh, and, uh, and we're testing those who are just showing symptoms at this point. So that's why it's important that you call your either your physician or get in touch with the Student Health Center. They will know if you're showing symptoms or giving them the signs that you have seen symptoms, and they will test you if they think that's necessary. So we have the resources here for all students, faculty, and staff uh, if, if they feel the need to do so. So the test is not as scary as it sounds. It's available to any staff student that needs it. And so that's fantastic here. That is showing symptoms that yes. needs it. That is correct. Uh, we're not testing asymptomatic uh, folks at this point. We just don't have enough tests. So if you are uh, demonstrating symptoms, uh, then I, that's up to the doctor and, and they will test you. That's fantastic to hear. President Killingsworth, thanks so much for coming on with us this week. I appreciate you taking time out of uh, your day to do it. And like you said, we'll do it again some other time. Thank you, Tyler, and keep up the great work. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy, and I will talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new episode and another guest. With that, I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. 
For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, JSUGamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSUGamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.